The Making of Sugar Sugar by Lainey Malkani. Episode 2 The Mentor. As a journalist, I've always worked in a busy, open-plan newsroom where there was always a lot of activity from the start of the day to the end of it. I liked the hustle and bustle of working with lots of people, brainstorming ideas and talking through the treatment of stories. So when I began writing Sugar Sugar, I hadn't fully anticipated how isolated I'd feel researching and writing stories from home. And it's one of the reasons why having a mentor was so important to me. I first met Jamie Rhodes at the Free Word Centre in East London a couple of years back. He'd just launched his debut collection of short stories called Dead Men's Teeth and I had just started working on a documentary series for BBC Radio 4 called Sugar, Saris and Green Bananas. But I was also keen to develop the story of indentured Indian workers as a written body of work. I really wanted to take on the challenge of becoming a creative writer, moving from a factual style of writing as a news broadcaster in radio and television to fiction. Out of all of the support networks that I had during the writing process, I think having a mentor was the most valuable to me. So to share the process that I went through with you, I recently returned to the Free Word Centre to chat to Jamie about how a mentor can make a difference to a new writer but we started by reminiscing about the time we first met. Yeah, yeah, I remember you uh, came up to me at the end of the event and um, asked me some questions about indentured labour and how I uh, decided to use the, what sort of language I used in the story. Um, and yeah, you, you were keen to um, use a similar format of study in the library archives, the British Library, where they've got one of the biggest archives in the world to study the sugar trade. I thought it was a great project, so I was happy to help you get that Arts Council funding. It was a really strange kind of encounter because one of the stories in um, Dead Men's Teeth is called Quarantine and it's about um, indentured Indians that were travelling across to Suriname. And it was kind of one of those weird moments for me where I thought, you know what, it actually it means something to be here today. So then I approached you um, to be a mentor for me um, and also to help me kind of wade my way through the, ap- the Arts Council application. What were the key things you think that were important for me while I was doing that? In terms of the application, it was important to get um, other relevant partners on side, and I think you were uh, you did a really good job of getting some really highly qualified academics and historians to support your work in that way. Um, and then, in terms of the writing itself, um, it was good for you to just get the creative juices flowing by getting the words on page, so that I could then. Uh, help you to structure it and you know you work on the show don't tell stuff and uh, we could take it from there it's a very excitable place the, the free word center at the moment as you can probably make out so we're going to plow ahead i got a lot of um inspiration from dead men's teeth having read it it was your first it was your debut collection um as sugar sugar is my debut collection as a mentor, because you then became my mentor, in the beginning, what concerned you about me as a writer, a new writer? I was moving from one medium, from radio, writing for radio and broadcasting, to moving to uh, creative writing for the page. So what was the, what were the things that ran through your mind? When you're putting words onto a page, there's a tendency to try and just say what's happening. But um, the difference is you have to have your characters 
do what's happening um, and that can be quite hard for people to get their head around because uh, it sounds like they're always doing or they're always saying because you're writing the words but actually the words are doing the actions of the characters and that can be quite difficult to get your head around but um, the other thing I guess is 10 short stories is quite a lot to to write in such a short period of time um, so it was always going to be difficult but I knew that you could do it because you were from a background where you had to work under pressure before to churn out stories of things so I knew you'd be able to do it um, and yeah it also depends on how short the short stories are going to be as to whether it's achievable and I think you hit the right balance there by not dragging it out too long with your word count so that was good mm. I, I think we met in total for probably we probably met about four times over the whole process but I called you several times um, during the process um, because it, 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 one it's quite a lonely um, undertaking to, to write um, you need a lot a lot of encouragement and I did have a lot of encouragement I have to say all the people that I worked with on this project have been really really supportive what was the, what was the point where you thought or alarm bells were ringing for you in that actually you know Laney needs a lot more support at this point in time around story six or seven um, which I knew would be a tough one anyway because uh, at that point you know all the ideas that had you first excited and, and buzzing about the project, you've, you've done them, and now you're trying to find the, the grittier ones uh, that perhaps you have to force, uh, force them to work a little bit more. Um, and at that point as well, you've been on your own for a long time. <laughs> um, and so it is good to, you know, the mentoring is not always about the words itself, it's also kind of, you know, encouragement and making you know that you're not on your own um, I know when I was doing my collection stories 6, 7 and 8 were really hard because you know at that point you start to think you not you can't do it and it's not very good uh, whereas at the start you think yes this is genius I can definitely do this um, but yeah you know it's, it doesn't take much to just have like a you know a phone chat for a while and just reassure someone that's going through the writing of the stories that they can do it and their work is good there was a time when you drew me a graph and you said, okay, this is the beginning of the story and then it rises. I mean, can you continue that? What was the end result? Um, okay, so yeah, the, the graph was a, just the a standard narrative arc for any story with a basic three-act structure. You have your inciting incident at the beginning, you have your climax, then you have your resolution and it... Uh, I don't know how to describe the shape of the arc for audio. Uh, maybe like a, like a whale, perhaps. <laughs> um, uh, so you set up the story at the beginning, then very quickly you have your inciting incident, which kicks you up the hill of the narrative. Uh, just before you hit the crest, you have your third act kicker, as I call it, which sort of is the way, if you were doing a twist story, that's where the twist would come. But you need some moment of drama to just launch you into that final bit of the hill where you reach your climax and then you wrap it up at the end with a very neat resolution and the graph just falls away quickly. Um, and so that was in terms of structure. But then the other things we looked at quite a lot were uh, dialogue and description. And I thought your descriptions were always really vivid and you, you use colours very well. But I think at the start your dialogue was quite on the nose and we worked a lot on 
you know the importance of the dialogue has to be suited to the character it's not your writing it's the character's words how do they speak what do they say um, and also dialogue is always very minimal if you listen to people talk on the tube or something like that they don't usually re- speak in complete sentences so when you're writing dialogue you know you've got to bear that in mind that you can't be too explainy if you like and also one of my favorite um pieces of advice that you gave to me was um, whenever you get stuck just imagine that the man walks into the room with a gun that really helped yeah that was actually something I picked up from Paul Schrader who wrote Taxi <laughs> Taxi Driver um, and uh, yeah he, I went to one of his master classes and he said yeah uh, if you're ever stuck just put a gun in the room and that could be a metaphorical gun or a real gun or whatever you want but it just needs something that just uh, jolts the reader back into the story. So finally, you know, the book is completed. Um, I've gone through a process and I'm happy to go through it again, so I'm starting to think about my next collection. Um, what would you say, maybe two key things, when you're looking for a mentor, what should you consider in that process? Um, consider where they are in their career, because, um, one, they might not have time, but also, if they're, you know, too far ahead of you in their career, then they're perhaps not going to give you the same uh, personal relationship because they'll be too busy. Um, but also, look at how relevant their work is to what you're trying to do. You know, don't just pick a mentor because you like their work. Is that you might like their work, but it might be very different to your work. So you need to consider, you know, some sort of relevant connection there. And they have to be interested in the work as well. So think about the project that you're trying to deliver and whether it's going to be something that they want to be part of. That's brilliant. Jamie, thank you very much. Hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll, between the two of us, we'll inspire some other new writers out there. Thank you very much. Thanks to Jamie Rhodes. Now, next time on the Sugar Sugar podcast, where best to write your masterpiece? Your bed, sofa, landing, bedroom? For me, it was all the above and more. But that's for next time. Thanks for listening.